Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1.34 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Quickly into the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. This text comes in, say, Bob. Come on, let's be real. Sports as we know it is done until 2022. We're still in the early stages of things. That's what that texter says. Uh, another one responds and provides a different perspective. Mike says, all we hear is doom and gloom. Social media is full of it. The radio is full of it. The television news is full of it. I'm happy to hear some positivity between noon and two here about the Oilers, hear about hockey. All these people texting you with more doom and gloom can stick it. I, for one, am looking forward to the end of this. Let's do what we have to do to keep safe, stay home, and we'll get through this. That one comes to us from Mike. So, there's a range of some of our texters, and there's several others of you that have sort of inferred things. I want to just get one more before we bring in Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports. Bob, there's two things that Finns excel at, hockey and heavy metal, two of my favorite things. And the texter goes on to say, honorable mention, not taking any crap from the Russians. So there you have it. Well, I don't know if he's taken any crap from Russians in his lifetime, but we welcome back to the show a guy that's got to be a little bit heartbroken today, given the fact that back in the days when he worked on this show on Oilers Now, but before he became a, a huge star in his own right, hosting Inside Sports, every year Reed takes a couple of weeks off to work the Fringe Festival, and today we found out there will be no Fringe Festival. Reed, welcome back to the show. How you doing? Well, given the circumstances, Bob, I guess I'm doing okay. I mean, it was a pretty sad, well, I mean, it was just a whole sad week with, with Colby Cave and ultimately leading up to his his death on, on Saturday. I, I mean, that was just such a stunner, Bob. And uh, obviously the, the Oilers have been making a lot of players and, and uh, Ken Holland uh, has been on, Dave Tippett's been on as well. A lot of members of the organization available for interviews and, and we get these group texts putting out that, uh, you know, which player is coming up and when they're going to talk to us. Sure. And I've been lucky enough to get some one-on-ones. And we got that one last Tuesday that started with Edmonton Oilers forward Colby Cave. And the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, great, Colby's very well-spoken. That's neat. They're letting, you know, one of the depth players uh, do a conference call or do an interview. And then I read the rest of the message, and it, it just was – it didn't process – for for a second and and obviously you knew that was that was some really bad news and he was in tough shape and it's just so sad to see him go and uh you know a guy who just appreciated every minute uh you know i think of just playing pro hockey obviously the nhl but i think even being in the american hockey league and and the ability to learn his craft and and be a be a good teammate and and build relationships with his coaches and his teammates and i interviewed him the morning of what turned out to be his last NHL game on February 21st against Minnesota, and as soon as this happened, I I remember that interview, and and I and I wasn't sure if it was his last game that day, and, and yeah, sure, sure enough, it was. And he was just a very and look, you don't get to know him like his teammates did. It's a professional media player relationship, but he was always available 
He was always in a good move. He good mood. He looked you in the eye. He gave you honest answers whether the team was coming off for a win or a loss. And it's just so sad to see him go. Yeah, that text uh, came out on the WhatsApp at uh, 11:46. You guys were just finishing up Ken Holland. We had had Ken on the day before in Oilers now. And, you know, obviously it was completely shocking. And then for anybody who's dealt with situations, uh, you know, with their parents having strokes or, you know, aneurysms or something like that, it just, you know, you, it was, it's not a, it was, it was not going to be good. And obviously we had Jay Woodcroft was kind enough to join us on today's show and, um, the the organization's gone out of their way to communicate to their players and and one of the things that Jay says and I firmly believe this is everybody deals with these situations in a different fashion. It has been the response has been tremendous read from the fan base, uh, from the amount of well wishers out there. Um, it's to me. I mean, it was. I saw Colby play a couple times in junior, and uh, he was going to have to earn it to make it, and he did. And that was part of the story. Like John Shannon said, 1% of the 1%. I mean, he literally willed himself to become an NHL player, which, you know, you got to respect the guy that finds a way to get there. Well, I, I love how you, how you put that, Bob, that, that he willed his way to get there. And, and you're right. I, I mean, we're we're lucky to have, you know, players like Dreisaitl and McDavid and Nugent Hopkins on the Oilers and, and so many ultra-talented players in the National Hockey League who obviously do work hard and have had to use willpower and and dedication and all those types of things, too, to make the NHL. But but I think there's a, you know, for a lot of the high-end athletes, there is some God-given talent there as, as well. And, and Colby Cave, players like him, part of a large pool of players where there's just a fine line between being in the NHL or being the, in the AHL or maybe not playing pro hockey at all. And what does our colleague, you know, Rob Brown often say? you you, you got to know who you are and you have to find a way to make yourself stand out and and i think part of the way colby did that is is with his attitude you know if if, if there's two players that are depth players you know maybe they're you know we call them kind of fifth liners in the nhl right those guys that are pretty good in the ahl and they might be a healthy scratch and in and out of the fourth line in the nhl how do you separate well another way to do that is by attitude you know if, if two guys are exactly the same ability probably the coach and the teammates are going to lean to the guy who's coming with a, sm- a smile on his face and is um, you know, grateful to stay out and take extra shots on a goalie after practice or do a face-off drill with a, with a star player and, and understand he might only play seven minutes that night, but he's got to make it count. So, and that's, that's just what struck me, seeing all the reaction from his past and present teammates uh, is, is just all the stuff about what kind of a person person he was and and seeing you know it's just heartbreaking to read the the post by his his wife i mean married uh less than a year and it, yeah i mean it's, it's just it's just really unfortunate but it's yeah i think it's also a testament to, to his attitude and his work ethic that he accomplished what he did all right it's 141 in edmonton we'll get to your fringe festival in a second uh this text comes in uh hey bob to you and reed and brendan uh if this year is lost in the nhl what players do you think will retire and not come back for next year thanks uh for the show from isaac and darwell and i just wow. remember back to the oh four the oh four oh five lockout reed we had i believe over 200 players that year that never like that missed that entire year in 0405 that never played another game in the National Hockey League. That's how like you're talking basically 
close to 26, 27% of the players that suit up and get a game in the NHL don't, uh, you know, with the entire year being out the next year, didn't get a chance to play another game. So uh, that might give us a little bit, and I could be off on the number, but I, I, b- I believe it was up around 25%. It was a high, high number. Well, sorry, does that does that texture say if there's no hockey next year as well? Like if there's nothing till the fall of 2021? Well, I th- no, I think the texture means if there's if there's nothing, if we don't have a conclusion to this season. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess on the Oilers roster, you'd, you'd you'd maybe wonder about Mike Smith. I mean, he just turned 38 in in March. Um, I mean, who else? Maybe you'd wonder about Chris Russell a little bit, though. I mean, he obviously wants to keep playing, but that's that's a really good point. That this if if this season doesn't get concluded, but then the the contracts run out and we start in the next year, November, December, or something. Well, then then yeah, and plus, are those players going to be able to find deals too, Bob? I mean, they may not be that they retire right right away, but they wind up not being able to sign a contract and then eventually announce their retirement because. They they simply don't have a team to go to, but but I mean that that texture raises a good point. I've heard you reading some of the other texts that, that that like there are just so many there are just so many what ifs. It's it's mind boggling. I mean we are in the ultimate cliche situation here of of really taking it day by day. I mean I mean I heard the text you read before you came on, and, and the one texture said we might not have pro sports till next fall. Well, he, he's right, and the next texture said, "Well, he, you know, that he doesn't like all the doom and gloom, and he's right too. It's important to keep a positive attitude, but I think we have to be realistic. Though, though we don't know when sports are going to come back, and we can't be entirely sure that they're going to come back in exactly the form that they were before. I do think pro sports are going to come back. I do think all sports are going to come back. I, I think if if anything." We, we've learned through this how important sports are, and they're important because they're a distraction. And, and I mean, look after 9-11, um, you know, you had firefighters in New York City who had colleagues killed in the in the Twin Towers saying, you know what, Yankees, let's get going. You're going to be in the playoffs. Let's let's get the NFL back. We, we still want to sit and watch and have that. So that's kind of the, the interesting thing here. We're, we, we've had... You know, this this is a next level, obviously, but we've had horrific events happen before, but sports has kind of been the fallback where it's like, man, at least I can flip the TV or radio on and pay attention to the game, and now that is gone too. Oh, well, let's not forget in 2001, Reid, when one of the high points for President Bush, um, they, you know, for uh, George W., is when he went out in the, uh, to throw the ceremonial first pitch yep. coming out of 9-11. Uh, so no question, <laughs> ironically enough, the same Bush who, for all of the criticism that he's received, much of it warranted. I, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, his father's history in the CIA has always been one that's had skeptics a little but concerned and uh, uh, that have followed the United States closely. Uh, but for all of the criticism, it turned out that he was ahead of his time, at least compared to other politicians out there, on being uh, really concerned about the potential impact of a pandemic. We now know that Bush was one of the drivers for increasing exp- uh, public expenditure to, to uh, look into that. I think Sean has just sent in a great text, Reed, and I'm going to get it to you right now. It says, Bob and Reed, I've been keeping track of the text on the show, and I've reached the following conclusion. Half of the listeners to your show are scientists, and half wear t- and, and the other half wear tinfoil hats. I'm still undecided which side I'm on from Sean. Uh, which you are know, we, Bob? <laughs> 
We have a lot of really well-read listeners to our respective shows who often provide us insight and perspective on things, and uh, and and that's part of it. And and that is, Reed. I think it's a, a microcosm of what's out there in society. Like you have some people that think well, this cannot continue. The way we're, the way we're dealing with things in the short term. This cannot continue. At some point, we have to reopen up society again. And others that are sitting there saying, not a chance until we get a vaccine. Everything gets shut down and that's just the way it's gotta be. And, and that's sort of the range of opinion that's out there. So that's, uh, the inherent beauty of the uniqueness of what we do. Now, Reed, the uniqueness of what you do. You are a guy every year. Do you still, did you volunteer for the fringe last year as well? Yeah, I volunteered six of the last seven years. I, I mean, it's it's nothing glamorous. I, I mean, as you know, Bob, I enjoy the Fringe Fringe Festival. In in the nineties, I, uh, I wrote a play and performed in it, and then another year I, I performed in a show. So I've I've always enjoyed live theater, and uh, so I volunteered six of the last seven fringes in an information booth, and you do a four or five hour shift, and you help people with the program or sell them a program or tell them where their venue is or, or tell them where the washrooms are so yeah i was that was a pretty big jolt for me when i saw the email that that the fringe is off and it's i mean it's a ways away obviously in the third third week of august but i think that just shows that i mean it's it's a massive event bob as, as you know it's the second biggest fringe in the world after edinburgh which invented the the festival itself so yeah, I mean, I think it's it, that's a big hole in the Edmonton calendar, and I, I'm sure there's probably going to be more to come in the summer. And, and obviously, I know the Fringe said, you know, you have, uh, you know, performers who need to rehearse and gather and, and yes. do things in groups, and, and obviously you have audiences. And another thing, too, you got to remember, I mean, that's what I always enjoy looking through the program every year. You have performers coming from Australia, New Zealand, across the United States, across Canada, so you can't be sitting there in June having being undecided whether or not you're going to have a festival in two months when a lot of these performers are traveling, you know, across Canada trips to, to hit all the fringes along the way. But, the, I mean, that's a big one. That's a festival a lot of people go to, a lot of people enjoy. Uh, you know, certainly I, I just enjoy the vibe being on the grounds, which is part of the reason I just like volunteering. You're out there on a sunny afternoon, street performers, people going to shows. So that's a big hole. That's a, that's a big miss for sure. Herm has texted the show. Uh, Herm spent years working in the Western Hockey League, and he says, Bob, Reed, and Brendan, we have never seen this before. My thoughts are until the economic impact is felt, we will not know how the sports business will rebound. What would you say to that, Reed? I think he's, we're not going to know. That's it's a really not good point. And I, I mean, I wonder, yeah. Bob. Here's the thing. So we're, and I, and I do think we're going to come out of this. I, I mean, I do think things are going to be pretty close to how they were before. You referenced President Bush, and, and I think we're going to have more awareness of germs and viruses and how to avoid them and recognize how dangerous they are. But I do think we're going to get back to having NHL, CFL, NFL, golf, everything, and, and people will be able to gather. But economically, what is this going to do? I mean, are, are people going to be, as, as much as we love sports, and I mentioned how we need it as a, as a distraction, you know, if people are coming out of this challenged financially, are they going to have that, that in, disposable income to spend on a sporting event, to go to a game a year or a few games a year or keep their season's tickets to whatever team? And then if that's affecting the revenue, I mean, are, are we going to see, I mean, Bob, could we see some sort of, in, in maybe one of the four, big four pro leagues, maybe all four 
where there might be have to be some kind of a salary rollback where fans are going to say, we love you guys, oh. we love our team, oh. we love our athletes. Oh. But well, it's an automatic mean, If the overall revenue goes down, right, and, and there's revenue sharing, you know, and, and, and now in society, who are people saying they value? Well, we're valuing doctors, we're valuing nurses, we're valuing, you know, people working on the front lines in grocery stores, people driving trucks that are delivering goods. Is it going to be an environment that's as comfortable seeing athletes get paid some of the astronomical salaries that they still make? I still think they're going to make a lot of money. I still think they're going to be rewarded for being elite athletes. But I wonder if that's a long-term ripple effect of this, that it could perhaps, you know, either curb salary reduction. I mean, the NBA talked about maybe, they they didn't, but they talked about maybe skipping a paycheck. So I I think that's a fair effect, Bob, that, that this could affect I re- if it's going to affect overall revenue for leagues, then ultimately that means it's going to affect income for players. Yeah, well, yeah, I heard you laugh. So tell me why you disagree. Well, oh no, I, I like I believe it's like it's a fait accompli that's going to happen. The English Premier League's looking at thirty. There's reports the EPL might be looking at a thirty percent rollback for their players. They got to change their whole system in terms of how uh, you know teams like Southampton, where Ralph Kruger was the president of that club. Uh, you know how they would basically be, be a farm team for the top six teams in the EPL, and then end up getting transfer fees uh, paid out over a, a number of the duration of the contract that the player signs with a team like Man United or Chelsea or one of those teams like that. the EPL. Thirty, I could see a twenty-five to thirty percent rollback in major professional sports as a result of what's happened here with COVID-19. Reid, I'm going to put you on the spot with one final one. Okay. I mentioned Narcos. Of course, there's the great ESPN 30 for 30 on the two Escobars. But which player, star player of Columbia's team when they were ranked top five in the world in 1994 was on the front page of Sports Illustrated heading into that year's World Cup? Oh, and he was crap. known. For, he was he was known for having very eccentric hair. Oh man, I remember that cover, and I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, what was his Valderrama. name? Valderama. Valderama. Yes, of course, of course. Oh, I can't believe I didn't remember that guy because that's that's such a, such a cool name. Oh, you stumped me. The quiz for Wilkins. I failed. all right. It ha- read. It happens. <laughs> uh, have some. Have some show. All right. Okay, thanks for having me. Have some fun on your show tonight. Thanks, man. Uh, Don says, Bob, you should listen to Reed. So much common sense. Uh, I'd say I probably listen to Reed more than pretty much anybody out there. Uh, we are going to uh, wrap up the show, uh, but not before we get to this day in Oilers history. Back at the 630 Chad Studios, here's Brendan Escott. Woo, this day in Oilers history, back in 2010, the Oilers win the draft lottery, giving them the first overall pick in the June draft and the choice between Taylor and Tyler. Ultimately, of course, they took Taylor Hall, who played six seasons here in Edmonton before being flipped to New Jersey. And what happens to Taylor Hall come free agency this year? Royal Pizza, Pizza Past, and so much more. Edmonton and owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the Royal Pizza app store. Stoffer recommendation is the Mediterranean Chicken, 153 in Edmonton. Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin, focused on your health and peace of mind. They're proud to be a part of Ford Canada's built to lend a hand 
program, helping their customers through these difficult times. Brent Ridge Ford is committed to social responsibility, safety, and supporting their valued clients through flexible financing, online sales and support, and even delivery and mobile service. Find out more about how Brent Ridge Ford is built to lend a hand by calling 1-877-477-3673 or visiting brentridge.com. Reed Wilkins Inside Sports tonight will be from 7 until 8. That follows the global news hour from 6 to 7. Mark Spector will join us on the Tuesday edition of Oilers Now along with the Eastern Conferences Coach of the Year in the Western Hockey League, Brad Lauer. We're still working on a couple other guests as well. Coming up, we'll have ongoing COVID-19 pandemic coverage with Eileen Bell with the Global News Weather Traffic Update, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jaylen Nye. Uh, Jaylen's got some great guests coming up, and again, every day uh, this week, I believe, at three, normally they do it at 3.30, the update on the COVID-19 situation, uh, situation in the province of Alberta with Dr. Hina, uh, Dr. Hina uh, Henshaw, who's done a terrific uh uh, Dina Henshaw, who's done a terrific job. I think it's important we uh, recognize that as well. Thank you for everybody for listening. Thank you for those of you that took time to text us. And uh, we'll be back at her tomorrow. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.